Unfiltered by Jade. Jade. Welcome to the Unfiltered by Jade, where we get out of the box and dive into topics that are sidelined. I look forward to entertain, educate, and inspire. Feel free to like, share, subscribe, donate, and make everybody know about it. Beats by RB Records. Shopping assistance, your style, your budget. Our services include online and local shopping for individuals and businesses, personal shopping, purchasing of company and office supplies, importing and exporting small packages across Jamaica and worldwide, and helping you find unique gifts and items for all events and occasions. Contact us at 876-919-5195 or shoppingassistance2015 at gmail.com. Shopping Assistance, your style, your budget. Welcome back to the Unfiltered by Jade. Today we have with us here Leah Rachel, and she is here to speak to us about seeking forgiveness. It's really forgiveness, re and adoption story. So first of all, I want to I want to say hi, Leah. Thank you so much for being here. And can you just tell us about yourself? Um, first, let me say thank you for having me. I really appreciate being on your podcast. Um, yeah, and I'm happy to talk about my book, Seeking Forgiveness, and my path to getting there. Um, I am a writer. I've been writing my whole life. This is my second published book, and um, I currently live in St. Louis, Missouri with my husband and son, and I teach during the day to try to pay the bills at the University of Missouri, St. Louis. But writing is my love, and so this book is definitely the, the love and the baby I have right now. Okay, okay. She said to try to pay her bills. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to try. That's the right way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. So, Leah, let's, let's go right into it. So, tell us why is it that you decided to adopt? Yeah, that's a good question, especially because most people assume without asking or looking into it that it was because of infertility issues. But in fact, it wasn't actually. Um, so my husband and I got married and we'd already been together five years before then. And uh, we were starting to think about starting a family. But in all honesty, we were both a little bit on the fence, couldn't decide if we wanted to start a family or not start a family. And I was getting older um, and I had friends who all assumed we were having fertility problems. Um, and then I had a colleague actually say to me, oh, you should go to a women's group, talk about other women who are you know, having issues with families. And because it was a colleague who was a little bit above me, I felt like I had to do it. I, um, so I'm like, all right, I'll go to this group once just to sort of get this colleague off my back. And when I was in this women's group, uh, people were talking, you know, going around talking about their issues, starting a family or not starting a family. And there was one woman who brought up adopting through the foster system. And it was like a light went off. I'd never even thought about it. Like I'd never even considered it as an option. 
And as she spoke, I remember thinking, you know, if starting a family isn't just about me and what I want, and it's also about the child, then you know what? I want to do this. And I came home from that and I came, you know, went to my husband and said, you know, what are your thoughts on um, fostering and maybe adopting through the foster system? And he was on board and and we both went from being on the fence to like, we want to do this. And that's nice. how it happened. Yeah. Nice. Um, I, you pointed out something. It's very important. I don't believe people should pressure people or try to figure out why can't you have kids? It's not always fertility problems. And even so, mm-hmm. that is why it's important for people to not do that. I agree. I agree. And and yeah, no judgment. If you have children, you don't have children, you do it one way, you do it a different way. I mean, I am um, ha- happy to talk about interracial adoption and adoption through the foster system, but I understand that it's not for everybody. Like I'm not trying to, you know, be a cheerleader. You have to do it this way or something. Um, I'm with you on that. No judgment. Yeah, I understand. But I just realized it's something very, um, it's something very painstaking where you have people always questioning, like if they don't see you having kids and it's five years, what's happening? Why don't you have kids? Yeah. It's, it's, really, it's their decision actually what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, in the very first chapter of the book, I talk about a friend who was bugging me about, you know, when are you having children? When are you having children? And I sort of had stopped talking to her for a while because I got sick of the question. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you on that. Um, I just think there's certain boundaries that people should not cross in terms of that. Yeah. People make their own decisions as to what they want to do. Yeah. All right. So from, from the adoption, tell us how the adoption took place and that phase until now. Yeah. So, um, so what happened is you first, you sign up to be foster parents and, um, in all honesty, I mean, every, uh, foster system, I believe is regulated by the state, not nationally. So it's different state by state, but it's my understanding. Most foster programs actually don't like it. If you come in saying, I want to immediately adopt because the primary goal of the foster system is reunification with birth families. So if you go and say, I just want to adopt a child, and sometimes, apparently, people do that because they think it's cheaper to do it that way than regular adoption. Um, the foster agent, the people who work there are a little put off. So you have to know going in that you want to be a foster parent and that your primary goal is reunification with the birth family. And if it doesn't work out, then there's a good chance of adoption. But the goal isn't from the get-go adoption. So we understood that. Um, we went in and I remember thinking, you know, this might be really difficult if we get a placement and we have a child for a few years and then we have to give them back. Like that might be too emotionally difficult. We might not be able to continue. But I figured, you know, we'll try it. Uh, And I actually never, we never had to test that because our first placement we ended up adopting. Um, But so that's, you know, so what happened was we we entered the foster system. You take classes for like over a year and, you know, home studies, all that kind of stuff. And then we did, you know, they give you like a long list of things that you're comfortable with and not comfortable with, um, you know, like health issues, you know, would you be okay with children that have health issues or not health issues. They ask you about racial issues, lots of different things um, and age of the children. And we did put that we would prefer a child, you know, from birth to sort of experience the whole motherhood path. That can take a little bit longer. So the classes along with, um, you know, requesting a younger child, you know, I believe it took over two years till we finally had a placement. Um, Really? Yeah, it takes it takes a while. And, you know, it's funny at the end of it, I remember the social worker sort of saying, you know, we we always ask people, like, what was the best thing and the worst thing about 
you know, your experience in the foster system and being foster parents. And I said, you know, the worst thing was that um, most people, when they find out they're pregnant, have nine months to sort of buy the material, read the books, you know, tell people at work, you might be taking a leave at work. And um, because it, you know, it, it had taken a while, we had started to wonder if it was even going to happen. And I was actually away at the Iowa Writers Workshop, doing a writer's workshop in the summer, when we got the call that there was a baby in the hospital, like, come right now. Like, after two years of waiting, it was like, come right now. And I was town and had to rush home and, you know, and then find, a, you know, all the things that you need, a pediatrician and everything like on the fly. So I feel like the hardest thing was not having a lot of, not having that nine months to really plan. But, um, but overall, of course, it was, it's been a very good experience. Okay. So it has, it really was a quick thing then because you well, waited so long and then you're just told, okay, we have a child here, come now. So you know you have to prepare in no time for yeah. this child to come. Well, and let me let me clarify that when we got the call, the call was again for a placement in the foster system. And so um, the initial goal was reunification with the birth family. And, um, and that can take a while. So our official adoption didn't happen really for another like year and a half later, even after that. Mm. Okay, okay. Um, all right, so even... With your book that you have and, and you spoke about, what really happened? Why it is that you feel the need to ask for forgiveness from yourself? Yeah. yeah, that's an excellent question. So, the book. So, first off, let me just clarify that because um, it's a little confusing. It sounds like a memoir. Even I talk about it as a narrative memoir, but it is fiction. It's semi-autobiographical, and I do that um. on. Yeah, I do that on purpose to protect the privacy of my son. So there's a lot of vignettes in there that are from our life and, and that are, you know, very autobiographical. But um, and, you know, as I've already talked about, I am telling everybody, you know, as most people know, you know, how we adopted our son. But any more than that, like about his birth family and the circumstances around his birth, I don't tell anybody. They're his story to tell. And when if and when he wants to tell it, he can tell it. So I want to protect him. So the book and also the book was then written prim- really primarily from the mother's perspective. It's a book about motherhood and, okay. and you know, the mother son bond. And I have come to believe that the hardest thing about motherhood is never knowing if you're doing it right. Right. I mean, there, there is no like guidebook that tells you at what age you should buy them their first phone or what to do if you discover that they just stole a pack of gum from the gas station, you know, what, what to say if they say to you at 10 years old, I hate my life. You know, there's no, there's no, like, you can't turn to page, you know, 364 and this is what you should do. This is the right answer. Right. You know, you do your best as a parent, you know, mothers and fathers, but um, you know, this book's about more motherhood, but you do your best, you know, you hope that they won't end up in therapy forever and that you're not ruining their life. And, um, you know, and you're going to make mistakes. So, uh, you know, the book is a a little bit honest. The mother isn't perfect in the book. She makes mistakes. You just, you do your best. And at the end, you know, you seek forgiveness for the mistakes that you've made. And you hope that your child understands that you love them and you tried your best, but you probably also made some mistakes. Question, is it okay while making mistakes to let the child know that you're making a mistake or, you know, I've made a mistake? Mm -hmm. this is how can we how can we fix this? Is it okay to do that, or as a parent, um, from your point of view, it's best you as an adult to figure it out from your own. 
I believe it's okay to be honest and, and show that you've made mistakes. I feel like that's part of showing life. Right. Um, and so, you know, I'll, I'll tell a story, you know, not my best moment, um, but there was uh, an incident. Um, so in the book describes, we've had, you know, sort of many racial incidents, but there was a, a in real life, something happened. Somebody said something and it really upset me. And uh, I don't smoke cigarettes regularly, but when I'm really upset, I will pull out a cigarette and smoke it. My mom smoked, my sister smoked. And so I waited till my you know, my son had never seen me do that. And he left and he'd gone on a play date, you know, down the block with a friend. So I pulled out a cigarette and was sitting on the porch smoking when he came back to get a ball and some toys of his and he saw me and he was like, oh, are you smoking? And, Ooh. and like, and he said, do you drink too? Which was kind of funny. But, um, and I, I was really embarrassed. And then later I said to my son, I said, you know what? I'm, I'm, you know, I didn't mean for you to see me doing that. And I just want you to know, it's not a good thing. Mommy should not be smoking. I hope you never smoke. But sometimes we make mistakes. We do things we're not proud of. Uh, and we try to do better. And we try to, you know, not smoke next time. So I did sit down with him later and talk to him about it and said, I, you know, mommy didn't do the right thing. And she made a mistake. But we're all human. And, you know, and I hope you forgive me on some level for that. And I hope you learn from it so you don't make the same mistakes I made. Awesome. I you had you had touched um, a little on racial incidents. Can you give us at least one racial incident that happened and how you dealt with that? Yeah. So so this is an incident that did actually happen to us and is also written about in the book. Um, it's about uh, when I took my son to his first dentist appointment. So he was around five years old. It was time to you know go to the first pediatric dentist for a teeth cleaning. So I got a recommendation from a friend and made an appointment showed up. So, you know, we walk into the doctor's office and the receptionist behind the glass partition, she sort of looks at us and then she closes the partition and disappears. And then she comes back and she's looking at us skeptically. And she says, I need your papers. And I said, uh, you mean my insurance cards? And I gave her like his insurance card and my insurance card for good measure. And she pushed them back at us. I said, no, 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 your, your papers, your guardianship papers. I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I honestly don't understand what you're like. I'm his mother. We made a dentist appointment. We're here. She's like, well, we can't see the boy unless uh, you can prove that that you're his guardian or, or you know, mother. And who brings who, who brings like adoption papers to a dentist appointment? I mean, nobody does. We didn't bring that. And, you know, the only reason she was saying this was because we were different colors. I, I really right. don't think she would have said that to a family that was not interracial. Right. And so we had to leave. We had to leave because I didn't have those papers. And we get in the car, you know, again, my son's about five and I'm buckling in his car seat. And he's, um, you know, asking me if when he's going to get a lollipop because I told him you get lollipops at the dentist. And I said I had to get him one later. And then I get in my seat and I put the car in reverse to back out of the parking spot. And then I look over my shoulder and my son and I make eye contact. And my son said to me, Mommy, did we have to leave because I'm black? Wow. And I said to my son, no, we had to leave because mommy's white. And I, my entire life I, or th that I've had my son, I've really had to try to make sure he does not blame himself when incidents yes. like this happen. And it's tough uh, because he does blame himself and internalizes this. And I always want to try to make sure he doesn't do that. That's tough. That's a tough situation. Yeah. So that's just one story. There's a number of them in the book, to be honest. <laughs> that, that, uh, 
I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to take that situation, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you're heartbroken, you know? I mean, I remember that night, like, not being able to sleep that night thinking about it and just feeling so bad, you know? Like, I mean, he's he's five, so he got over it. It's not like he was depressed or something. But the fact that he even asked the question and that he's aware of what's going on that early, you know? Um, and that was five. I mean, I can remember sort of racial incidents that happened when he was two. So it's it's a shame. I mean, I mean, it was five. I mean, but that doesn't mean he, he doesn't... That doesn't mean he forgot about it. He may yeah. have, you know, he may not speak about it, but the mere fact that he's experiencing that from that age, yeah. or he had experienced it from that age, it stays with you, actually. I agree. I agree. I agree. That's why I feel like it's really important to talk about it and try. You know, one of the things I'm always saying to my son, and I think he's like a little tired of it, though, as I'm always saying, you know, you can ask me anything. Like, do you have questions about anything? Do you understand what just happened? Like, you know, I always say, you can ask me anything. And he's like, okay, mom, I know I can ask you anything, but I think that's important because I mean, what else can we do besides talk about these things and support each other and, you know, make sure he knows he's loved and not to blame. Other than that, you just have to hope he doesn't internalize it too much and, you know, things will be okay. You can, you hope. Question. When you guys were doing the adoption process, did you specify as to if you want a white child or a black child. Did you guys do that? Yeah, so like I think I, I mentioned earlier, they give you, it's like a two, maybe even three-page document where you have to go through and check what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with. And I remember it feels a little weird. And I remember the social worker said, you know, just please be honest because it doesn't do us any good, you know, if you feel like you need to say you're okay with everything and you're not. I mean, it's not in the best interest of the child. And for me, honestly, the hardest part w was the health considerations. So okay. when I was, I was actually born pretty sick. I was, I was born with broken bones and I was in the hospital for a while when I was a child for a lot of my childhood, I was in the hospital. So I, I actually have a little bit of PTSD when I go to hospitals. I sometimes like have uh, panic attacks when I go to uh, inside a hospital building. So um, I have a lot of experience with a medical establishment, but I don't like it. And I remember really having difficulty saying, you know, should I say no, that we don't want children with these, this medical condition, this medical condition. And to be honest, I did put no on a lot of them because I didn't think I mentally could um, go back there to being in a hospital all the time. So I said no to a lot of that. And then when it came and it, then it does ask for, you know, Hispanic, African-American, you know, a lot of other uh, characteristics for all of those. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I can take any of that. That's yeah. I had no problem with any of that. <laughs> Yeah, but did you guys um, think about like the impact that it would have in terms of what will happen when persons know that there's an interracial adoption? Yeah. What's it going to look like? Yeah, no, that's a good question. So, um, you know, I, I will say that before we started the foster classes, like before we were even with uh, a placement, I hadn't thought about it enough, in all honesty. I mean, this was before Michael Brown and George Floyd and everything, and even before the term white privilege had really uh, become common. And so I was certainly, I mean, I grew up in Detroit, um, and, uh, have, you know, one of my, so I've, I like had three best friends growing up, uh, one of which was black. And so I felt like I was a little aware of issues, but in all honesty, I'm a white woman. I wasn't. 
Um, the first inkling was in the foster classes. You know, they talk a little bit about this, how if you're going to adopt a child with a different cultural background than yours, you need to make the effort. You need to, um, you know, make sure you have friends from that cultural background and books um, and other sorts of things. So I started to become a little more aware during the foster classes. And to be honest, it's been a continual process. Uh, I, I keep trying. I mean, I remember early on, I asked friends of mine for like more, you know, hip hop and rap music to listen to besides like the really common names. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and I, you know, I, one of my best uh, girlfriends who is black, who reads as much as I do, like she was my first reader of this book. And I was like, you know, asking her, did I miss things? And, you know, did I represent things? Okay. And so I, I am always asking for help. Um, and I'm trying my best, but in all honesty, I am a white woman, so it's a learning process. Yes, yes. What I do appreciate though is that you take the time to to adopt and try to find out also things that can help to make this this process easier. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I will say also, I, I have listened to a lot of good podcasts um, like uh, that sometimes talk about these issues. That's been very a good place for me to learn things too. That's nice. So you're also educating yourself. Um, which would also, yeah, you are, you are educating yourself <laughs> um, so that you can have a family, a better family dynamic, even with your son. Um, and you can know how to deal with situations because as you said earlier, we don't get books to say, okay, these are what you do now. These are how you go about it. These are how you respond. But I think you're doing an excellent job in terms of responding and how to go about doing things. Thank you. I, I hope so. I mean, I'm doing my best, but I'm sure I'll have to seek forgiveness at some point. <laughs> I mean, I think we all do, because as I just said earlier, we're all humans. So there's yeah. no perfect parent out there at all. And it's important that parents know not to beat up themselves when they get it wrong sometimes. They just know how to bounce back and go to their children and talk about these things. But we have to be transparent and open so our kids also know that, hey, our parents are humans also. But as long as we have that, that that dynamic where we can have a conversation, everything would be okay, yeah. right? Yeah. It's not, about, it's not about just building up so that one day we can, you know what, forgive me for everything that we have done. No, we're going to go through life where the child is going to hurt us. We're going to hurt the child. Things yeah. are going to happen. And we can have that dynamic. It's no longer like back in the days when yeah. you know, children are just to be seen and not heard. Yeah. These yeah. days, we need to have conversation with our kids. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. I mean, you know, one of the interesting things for me is I remember when I first had my son, I was trying to um, correct some of the things that I felt like had been done wrong when I was a child. So, you know, my mom was a, a working, single working mother after she divorced my father. And um, so she was very often late picking us up. I mean, I have memories of being like the very last child at like aftercare being, and in those days they kicked you out on the curb. Like I was sitting on the curb, watching the cars go by, wondering if I'd ever get picked up. So I remember I made a vow that I would always pick my son up early. He would never be the last one anywhere. And then when he started aftercare, I would come like an hour early to pick him up and he'd be like, mom, I'm in the middle of playing. Can you come back later? (laughs) It made me realize that like, we're going to make mistakes and what were my issues won't be his issues. So I'm probably messing up in a whole new way that I don't understand. And, you know, so I mean, I guess my larger point is what you said, you know, we do our best. We're all going to make mistakes. You know, I was trying to sort of like fix everything from my past, but those were my issues, not his issues. And, you know, uh, we're just, what you said, keep the communication open, try our best. And man, my kid always wanted to be like the last one picked up from aftercare. It was pretty funny. (laughs) 
Ah, uh, Leah, just don't be hard on yourself. Yeah, don't be hard on yourself. Sometimes we beat up ourselves for nothing, actually. Sometimes yeah. we do. Yeah, probably. So, yeah, so let's just not do that. We don't want to stress out ourselves. So we want to have a nice, peaceful relationship with our children. I mean, there are things that we want to make sure it's correct and right and want to protect and whatever, but sometimes we have to also allow life to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'd heard before I became a mother that the most important thing is just loving your child. And I'm, I'm really appreciating that more and more because of course, as my son gets older and he's like a preteen now, you know, we fight about homework all the time. And, mm-hmm. but, and I noticed whenever we fight, like near the end, we'll almost like look at each other with like, you know, twinkles in our eyes. Cause we know we love each other. <laughs> and so like, I feel like it's okay to fight, but we love each other. And, and like, I remember I read born a crime by Trevor Noah and he talks about how he fought with his mom all the time, but she was really good about half an hour later coming back and being like, Hey, let's go for dinner. You know? So it really is important. I think just to show that you love them, that, that will yes. help many, many things. Yes. yes. I like that. That was that's a really, that, this is really good, Liam. Um, so I want you to tell us where is it that we can find you and where can we find your book? Yeah, so the best place to find links to the book, you can also even read the first three chapters for free. You can look up my blog and my other book and everything about me and my writing is to go to www.layerachel, which is no spaces, L-E-A-R-A-C-H-E-L.com. And again, that has links to everything and it'll include like the Amazon link to buy the book and the other book and, and stuff like that. And that's the best place to go. Nice. Nice. Thank you so much, Leah. Really appreciate it. You coming and being transparent. Yeah. Oh, thank you again for having me. I really, I really enjoyed talking about this stuff. So I really appreciate your having me on. No problem. And I want to thank our listeners for continuing to listen to the Unfiltered by Jade. And we'll be back next week, Tuesday. Thank you. Bam, bam,